0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC-TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And that makes me Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 293, recorded Monday, November the 21st, 2016. Sorry, did I throw you off there a little bit? Slightly. When you when you change the intro, I don't know what to do. <laughs> when you change the intro, it just makes me want to go home. I I had to think on my feet and think, uh-oh, he said something different. What do I do now? <laughs> and then I realized I can just continue like normal. Yeah, just pretend I don't say anything, because that's what a lot of people do anyway, really. <laughs> I,
1: I found for most of my life, uh, usually when I'm talking, I have to get up my entire thought in the first five seconds, or people just stop listening and start talking again.
0: So if you can't
1: get out what you're trying to
0: say, it's just not worth it at all.
1: Exactly. I've got five seconds to formulate my thought and get it out or not even bother saying anything. All right. Well, That's just in general conversation. With you and me on the internet, it's different because, uh, I, I don't know, uh, you find it easier to edit the show together when you pause when
0: I talk. Maybe that makes a difference. It it does make, it's important to for me to not talk when you're talking and vice versa as much as possible. Right, so you listen to me for technical reasons. I listen to you (laughs) to hear, to anticipate the stoppage, and then to jump in when uh, it's appropriate. Yeah, that sounds good too. Just like that, see? Just like that, yeah, (laughs) excellent. All right, what are we doing here? We're going to do something? We are going to do something. We are here to talk about Season 7, Episode 5 of The Walking Dead. Uh, But of course, the first thing we got to do before we start that is play an entry in our 20 no not 2016 2017 i'm going to call it the season seven record your favorite scene competition perfect and this is a good one it's a fun one jason here we go listen to this
1: shite in your pants yet oh boy do i get a feeling you're getting close got to be shite pan city real soon which one of you pricks is the leader you're rick right i'm mcnegan and i didn't
0: appreciate you killing my pals then when I sent my pals to kill your pals for killing my pals, you killed me and my pals. Nay cool.
1: Nay fucking cool. You have no idea how no cool that shit is. But you're gonna be up to date real soon. Oh yes, you're still gonna regret pissing me off in a minute. Fuck yeah, you are.
0: All right. Thank you so much oh, to was nice. Billy in Scotland for that one
1: oh, Billy, I've got a document that I have to read for tomorrow morning. Can I send it to you? And then you just do an audio recording and throw in fucking swears every now and again,
0: because that'd be great. <laughs> that was fantastic. Of course, he put a little spin on that and uh, introduced McNegan Yeah. McNegan' awesome. That was really, really good. Thank you, Billy in Scotland for that one. If you want to enter the competition, all you have to do is choose a scene from any season of The Walking Dead, one through seven, and record it into your phone, into your computer, into your home recording studio, whatever you might have, and then send us the file. Something like an mp3 is best, but uh, whatever you have will work. And then uh, at the end of the season, a couple, couple weeks after the season seven finishes, Jason and I are going to choose our favorite, and the uh, the winner gets a big fancy prize pack. And, you know, I can't really talk about it yet, but we had a listener uh, want to add something to the prize pack. So this listener is going to send it in. And, uh, once I, I don't want to say it until I actually receive it, just in case you never know. But, uh, so we're going to add something new to that prize pack to go along with the, uh, Nick and Norman's, uh, Queen parody, Queen album cover parody t-shirt that I have. So. Is it, is it pajamas? Are they sending in pajamas? No, it's not pajamas. That's too bad. But if anybody out there is making Walking Dead pajamas and wants to add that to the prize pack... TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Send me, a, oh, send me a note. I like it. Because uh, uh, I know Jason would love to snuggle up into bed with his new son wearing some Walking Dead zombie pajamas.
1: Mm, pajamas.
0: <laughs> it's good stuff. All right. Let's move right along, Jason, into our recap of season seven, episode five. Go getters. Go getters, go getters, go getters. Go getters are people who go places. And get stuff. So I'm thinking this episode is going to be about some people who go to some places and get some stuff. The logic is sound, Jason. It really is. Thank you to Gemma in South Wales and Anwen in Australia. I'm going to send half the document to, what was his name that
1: did the... Uh, the...
0: Billy in Scotland.
1: Billy in Scotland and, uh, and then send the other half and we'll just get... Oh, that would be beautiful just listening to those accents.
0: New Zealand. I think she's from New Zealand. And I'm not smart enough to recognize it by the accent. Boy, that makes me look dumb.
1: I'm not saying anything. I just, I try and think of Flight of the Concords and,
0: you know, as opposed to uh, Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't help me that much. And I don't know if that's all that complimentary. <laughs> no, it's because I'm a stupid Canadian
1: that doesn't uh, know anything. That's a pretty far place on the planet from us like it's really far it's about as far as you can get
0: it it really is sorry anwen (laughs) all right let's get off this before we make ourselves look even more stupid and start the recap so sure oh look something else funny happened jason my first note here on the recap is maggie wanking up at the hilltop (laughs) Yeah. You got to do what you got to do, my friend. <laughs> After a stressful evening. You just got to uh, have a little release, I suppose. Um, yep. Maggie waking up at the hilltop. That's uh, that's more like it. And Dr. Carson is there. Do you remember Dr. Carson? We haven't seen him in a while. I do remember Dr. Carson. So Dr. Carson is the uh, doctor, the medical professional at the hilltop. And he's there and he explains to her that she's going to be okay. The source of her pain and discomfort down in her abdominal region is that she has something called placental abruption. That means that the placenta has partially separated from her uterus. That sounds uncomfortable. Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard for you and me to imagine what that's like, probably. And actually, it's probably hard for a lot of people to imagine what that's like, but it doesn't sound good.
1: Well, it's painful because after the the child is born, the placenta the uh, separates from the uterus, right? And that part of the uterus that is there is referred to as the wound site. So uh, that's got to be painful. they call that the I didn't know that the wound site. Yeah, in our prenatal class, they called that the wound site. So the, you, you know, you deliver the placenta after the uh, after the child, and uh, what's left is a wound site on your uterus, and that's got to heal, and that's what. Uh, it causes some of the bleeding and discomfort and nastiness.
0: Wow. All right. Well, Maggie's got a partially, uh, partially separated uterus already, but he ensures her she's going to be okay, that the baby is alive and they listen to the heart rate. And uh, he says that it should take, she should take it easy for a few days and probably stay here at the hilltop for the duration of her pregnancy.
1: Good plan. And he right also- next
0: to the doctor. Well, that kind of makes sense to me, you know. It's like, doctor, I'm moving in with you for the rest of the-
1: Pregnancy.
0: That's right. I'm going to sleep in your spare bedroom, so I'm like right here. Yeah, I live with you now. All right. Um, Now, he also says that it's possibly due to some trauma, and he refers to some bruising on her abdomen. So that's also not good. You don't want to be punched in the gut too many times when you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Just once or twice. Not too many times. Exactly. Exactly. So that's good news. Maggie comes outside and finds Sasha waiting for her there. And they go to see two graves, one for Glenn and one for Abraham. Mm. And I thought it was a little strange that they decided to bury those two guys at the hilltop. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to like bring the bodies here.
1: And then leave them in a pile for a while until you get back to, uh, get back to uh, Alexandria?
0: I mean, I know that Maggie was going to the hilltop to see the doctor and that's, that was priority number one. That's what she needed to do. But it makes more sense to bury those guys at Alexandria. That's where they've been living for months now. Okay. So,
1: okay, this is a good point. I think you're making a good point. So there's a group of people in this clearing where Glenn and Abraham were killed. We have two groups of people, one going back to Alexandria with a truck and a camper, and then we have, uh, we have Sasha and Maggie going to the hilltop. Correct. And they
0: make Sasha and Maggie take the bodies? Well, they, they wanted to. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's Maggie's husband, Glenn, and Sasha's, uh, sort of new boyfriend. Love interest. Love interest. Okay. Okay. So they, you know, they wanted to take the bodies with them and they had to go to the hilltop. So I understand that. And I guess it makes sense that you're right. You wouldn't want the bodies just laying around for a while. You don't know when you're going to get back to Alexandria. So- How did they get to the hilltop? You- Well, they must've had a vehicle too. They did. I think I saw them loading the the bodies into a vehicle. Didn't they? A pickup truck? Well, yeah, it would be really not appropriate to make them carry or drag the bodies. (laughs) Here you go, Maggie. You're in some- um, uh pre or some pregnancy distress and you're gonna drag a body behind you down the road. Yeah. yeah bad idea. With your friend who's also dragging a body. Right. Exactly. Good luck. You can barely even help. Yeah. Um so I, I get it. I I understand why they had to bury them there. It just felt weird to have them like, you know, these guys have been to the hilltop like once before and this is where they're being buried. But you know, it's okay. I mean it doesn't matter where they are, it means Maggie can visit anytime she wants because she knows. Yeah. So Sasha, she gives Glenn's watch to uh, Maggie and she said that all Abe had was a cigar. <laughs> so that's it. He didn't even have the keys to the rocket launcher or anything like that. Do they take keys? Well, I figure they they must <laughs> take something, you know? I don't know. They must, they must have a safety. I don't think that they take keys because well. that'd be, I don't know. You know, it'd be weird. It would be a little weird, yeah. Uh, But Maggie goes to leave Glenn's watch on his grave. And, of course, the watch, if anyone doesn't remember, came from Herschel, Herschel. which is Maggie's dad. (laughs) Uh, They talk about Maggie being okay and that they have to stay there, is what Carson told her, of course. And Sasha offers to stay with her because they're good friends now. Uh, Jesus comes along, and he's got some flowers for the graves. And then Gregory comes along, and this is where things start to get a little tense, I would say, because Gregory turns out to be a giant dick in this episode pretty much throughout. He comes up and he starts complaining uh, that they didn't manage to take out all of the saviors, Uh, and he's referring to the deal he made with the people from Alexandria about, you know, attacking the saviors and destroying them. Maggie says that it was just an outpost. There are a lot more of them. And Gregory says that you guys have to leave, regardless of what Dr. Carl Carson says and it's because he's worried about if they are there, he can no longer deny any involvement with Alexandria in their plot against the saviors. It's a good point. It's like it's not a it's not an invalid point, no, I guess so. I mean, if he's just trying to cover his ass, he's gonna he's gonna try to deny any involvement with them and as he says, have plausible deniability, yeah, but it still makes him a dick.
1: Well, yeah, for making a pregnant lady leave the, uh, the only doctor in
0: existence
1: that can help her, they, that's
0: really a, a bit of a dick move. They, yeah. The only doctor that they really know of. I mean, around here anyways. Um, he also gets upset that they buried their dead people instead of burning them. He says, we burn our, our dead. Um, and he eventually, after some arguing, agrees that they can stay the night, but they have to leave first thing in the morning and then Sasha mentions Maggie's pregnancy, which I guess he didn't know about at the time, and he calls that her big mistake. <laughs> so not the most likable guy right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, sometimes you, uh, you, you pass judgment on people when they get pregnant and, uh, he's just, the, he's the biggest dick in
0: the world. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I understand, you know, being pregnant in the zombie apocalypse, maybe not the best time to have a baby, but it's also never a good time to have a baby, right? Well, it's never a bad time either. I guess I mean, so. there's no,
1: there's no, you know, if you want to have a baby, there's no good t- or There's no bad time. And if you don't want
0: to have a baby, there's no good time. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, it's just hard. It's it's hard. I mean, the zombie apocalypse, you don't have the, all, you, you might not have access to all the services and products and things you might need when having a baby. So uh, throughout this entire conversation though, Jason, there's a large tractor, parked in the background behind them.
1: There sure is. It's Chekhov's tractor.
0: Yeah, that is an important tractor, which we'll get to in a few minutes.
1: Big double rear tires. Oh. Nice, nice John Deere tractor. That's a, that's
0: a beautiful tractor, that tractor it's right there. It's nice. I mean, that has some crushing power in it, I bet. The wheels are all clean. <laughs> yes. like, this tractor doesn't get a whole lot of use. I don't think so. They, 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 the uh, hilltop is not big enough to need a tractor like yeah, that. Yeah, why did they have a tractor? Well, it was probably just there, and they... They, they didn't know what to do with it and they didn't want to drive it out. So they thought maybe someday they might have to crush a car with it or something. I don't know.
1: Uh, maybe, you know, uh, the governor in Woodbury, they had, uh, you know, zombie battles, right? Maybe these guys have this tractor for a tractor pull every now and again. They'll, uh, they go out and do it, do a tractor pull, see if they can get themselves a full pull. People need entertainment, right? They do. Yeah. This is, you know, it's better to have a tractor pull, morally, than to uh, pit zombies against uh, living people or zombies against other zombies.
0: Yeah, certainly morally uh, more appropriate and just less dangerous. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's, I can see that. That's you. You don't. You don't need that. Or maybe they're saving the tractor because they need the tires
1: because they want to build a uh, uh, a monster truck of some kind later. <laughs> right. right. They're going to find a truck and they're going to get the axle and they're going to like, well, you know what? We need four really big friggin' tires for our monster truck that we're going to build eventually. Hey, this tractor, we'll just, we'll park that in the back. Don't worry about it, Gregory. We'll just park it there for a little while until we get to our monster truck right. that we're planning on building because you need a hobby in
0: the zombie apocalypse. Is Someday when we've, we've covered food, shelter, clothing, you know, general safety uh, medicine, all those, all those important things. We're building the monster truck. They've got all that here,
1: right? They've got a doctor. They've yeah. got food. They've got shelter. They've got clothing. Uh, the next thing is monster truck. And they have Jesus. So and they have Jesus. What's that? Uh, something hierarchy of needs. Somebody's hierarchy of needs. Do you uh, know what that oh, is? Oh, I don't know. I yeah, know what so you're talking about, but yeah. So there, yeah, there's a definitely a hierarchy of needs, and I think uh,
0: uh, you know, monster truck is on that list somewhere. It's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, monster trucks probably low on that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, it's the one, yeah. right? Uh, monster truck didn't make his list, but I bet you it's not <laughs> much beyond that. So <laughs> there you go. I bet you it's on the food pyramid somewhere. Oh, probably. <laughs> uh, that was the cold open. We go to the the opening credits, and when we come back, we've got Carl throwing darts at a dartboard very badly, uh, because he only has one eye, and I guess he can't throw a dart straight with one eye.
1: That, yeah, that's that's. That's not true.
0: I don't think that makes any sense. When I throw darts, I close one eye. You know, it's better to aim. Right, because you don't need uh, stereo vision for that. You want a straight line to the bullseye or whatever you're trying to hit. Yeah. I don't get it.
1: No, I, I think that the, the one eye is not his problem. It's his re- the fact that he's really bad at darts, just period. You know, that's okay. the only thing. It does. It's not caused by anything other than he might be in a bad mood. You know, maybe he just doesn't give a shit. He's throwing the darts and he doesn't like the house and he's mad at everybody. So he's putting
0: holes in the wall just to piss his dad off. Cause now his dad has to fix the holes in the wall and go to the hardware store and buy plaster. And well, he is mad. I mean, the, the Carl is, he, Carl's kind of talking over this scene of darts hitting the wall beside the dartboard. And Rick is trying to convince him to come with them on a run to get supplies for Negan, but Carl refuses. And, uh, he's like, somebody has got to stay here with Judith. You go. So then Rick, uh, Rick goes to leave. He tells Michonne that they're headed north and she's not going either, which I thought was sort of interesting. And then Rick and Michonne share a somewhat passionate kiss. (laughs) Uh, The awkwardness continues. Yeah, but I'm going to say they were slightly less awkward. I, I think they're improving, Jason. I think the chemistry was a little better than it used to be in this scene.
1: I don't know. You're looking at he it right just. Re, he should have just leaned in for a good kiss, you know? He went to peck her on the cheek, and she forced him to, to go in for a kiss. Uh, you know, the actual kiss in the end wasn't as bad as we've seen in the past, but it still struck me as, uh, you know, what are they, brother and sister? And then they started kissing
0: passionately, like, oh, they're brother and sister. What are they doing? So it, it just it made me feel weird. All the way through. You're right. They kind of, they kind of ruined it by not committing one way or the other, right? I mean, it's fine to give someone a quick peck on the cheek, even, even your, your wife or your, your significant other. I mean, you don't always have to, to, you know, get right down to it, but, but in this case, he tried to do that and she wasn't having it. So she went for the real kiss.
1: Like when you're trying to, you know, you're at work and you're trying to pass somebody in the hall, and you both go to the left, and you both go to the right, and you both laugh about it in a little bit, and then you start making out, and it's all just kind of weird and awkward, you know? Yeah.
0: It's it's like one of those situations. Well, that's the this whole thing was just weird and awkward, just like that, exactly. Yeah. Wh- while you're at work. Well, you're, that's right. Uh, so, anyways, Rick leaves. Carl asks Michonne why she didn't go, and she just tells him she has some things to figure out. Uh, that's weird. Um, Carl says he thinks that Rick is wrong about the way he's handling this whole situation. So Carl wants to fight back. He's he's an angry teenager who wants revenge right now all the time. You know, give it to me kind of thing. Right. Yep. So Michonne leaves. Carl looks out the window and sees Enid climbing the wall outside and he goes out to talk to her. This is exactly the same thing he saw last season. He looks out the window and there's Enid climbing the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a bad spot to climb the wall. She should pick a better spot because, well, you know,
1: it's right outside Carl. Maybe she wanted attention. Maybe she's like, well, I better climb the wall right outside the window that Carl sees me from
0: because,
1: you know, I want Carl to pay attention to me.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, there's there's something going on with these two, but Carl goes outside and uh, he's surprised to learn that she's decided to walk to the hilltop to see Maggie. She's really feeling like she needs to see Maggie right now because she was there when Maggie first experienced the the abdominal problem, right? So she's worried. She's worried. Exactly. Um, now they kind of have an abstract type conversation here about what happened in the forest. And Enid says that she's sorry Carl had to see all that. And Carl says he's not. And they leave it at that for now. Right. Um, we go over to, uh, Jesus and he's helping Sasha get set up to sleep in one of the portables. I call these portables, but some people call them trailers. Uh, the reason I call them portables is because when I was in school and there were too many students and they needed to expand the size of the school, they'd put these things in the yard and there'd be some classrooms out in these things and they called them portables. My grade three was in a portable. Was it? I called them portables as well. All right. Well, maybe it, that's a Canadian thing or an Ontario thing. I don't know, but I know well, some people call them trailers.
1: You know, it, it depends. Is, uh, uh, a portable, uh, for me, uh, implies classroom where a trailer for me
0: implies home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so a mobile sorry. mobile home? <laughs> okay. My home is not a trailer, but a mobile home, right? Yes. No, you're right. You're right. Right? For or, me, trailer yeah. implies something that has wheels that you can pull behind a truck. Yeah, that's what a mobile home is. They're okay. mobile. Exactly. They have wheels. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But portable, yeah, portable doesn't imply that to me. It's more like it's a, a room you can build somewhere and it's semi-permanent.
1: Do portable, did the portables have wheels?
0: I don't think so, no. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, it's semantics a little bit, but. uh I'm going
1: to have to, I'm going to have to review my memory
0: of grade three
1: and uh HR H. Robbins where I went to grade three.
0: You dig deep, see if you can remember any wheels on those portable trailers. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Sasha's, you know, Jesus is helping Sasha get set up. He says he's going to try to. Get Gregory to change his mind, and Sasha questions why he isn't in charge, and he says, I'm not a leader, which is kind of weird. I feel like he is, but
1: no, oh, he's a he's a, he's a he's a doer. He's a he's a he's Ninja Jesus. He he does stuff. He doesn't lead other people and tell them what to do or encourage them to do the right thing or inspire them to do what uh, is in the best interest of the group.
0: He's a doer. He's like you. There's a job that needs to be done, and damn it, he, Jesus is going to do it. I, I feel like he's I feel like that makes him a loner, though. Yet he hangs around here with these people all the time. He wants to help. He wants to be that guy. He wants right. to be the
1: go-to guy. I don't think he wants to lead these people. He just he wants to 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 do the thing. And that's what he does.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's true. I mean, I guess he's not he's not going to be standing up in front of a group, you know, rallying the troops or anything like that. He's he wants to do the job himself, like you said. Yeah. Uh so Sasha uh, Sasha sort of agrees that she can work or scavenge for the hilltop and that will pay Maggie's way because Maggie has to stay there to rest. And then Jesus pulls out, I think, a necklace or something, some sort of jewelry it looks like, and says it's Abraham's and says uh, he was sorry that, you know, he's dead because he liked him. Yeah. And he gives the jewelry to Sasha. Did we see that? Have we seen that jewelry before? Or is this the first time? You know, I'm not 100% sure because I'm not even sure what exactly it was. They didn't give us a good look at it on on screen in this episode. Maybe it was something Abe was wearing around his neck that we just never really clued in on. I don't know.
1: Maybe it's something he stole from somebody else and then forgot about it, and Jesus is like, well, that
0: must have meant something to him. (laughs) It must have. I'm going to give it to you now, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Maggie comes in, and she asks why they burn their dead, and uh, she wants to know how they remember them. And Jesus says, us, as in, we're still here, because they died. You know, we remember our dead in ourselves kind of thing. Right. Um. At least that's what I took away from it. If you've got a different interpretation, speak up. No, that's pretty much it. Pretty much it, yeah. Uh, Jesus leaves, and Sasha and Maggie kind of agree that Gregory is an idiot and a coward, which he's proving, to be honest, in this episode by everything he does. Yeah. We go over to Enid, she's riding a bike, And she stops to look at a puddle on the ground. Is it a puddle of blood? Is it a puddle of motor oil? It wasn't really clear to me, but she seems to be staring at it for a second. I'm going
1: to go with blood because, I don't know, uh, I've only been freaked out by a puddle of motor oil once or twice in my life. And I'd be a little more freaked out. I've never actually, you know, come across, I actually have. Uh, I was pretty freaked out. I was walking up a subway when I first moved to Toronto and uh, up the stairs out of the subway station. And the whole, all the stairs were like covered in blood. Jeez. Weird. There was like, it was cordoned off and there was like police and stuff around. So I don't know what happened, but there was blood all over the stairs. And it was like a week after I moved to
0: Toronto from a small town. So it kind of freaked me out. Well, I think that- Shit, I did forgot all about that till just now. <laughs> I, think, I think that would, man. That's kind of scary. So you got there just too late to find out what happened. I have no idea what- somebody probably fell down the stairs is what I figured. Oh, probably. Yeah. I once walked into a subway station and there was a guy sitting on one of the benches and his arm was bleeding and, and he was just sitting there and blood was dripping off his arm, pooling on the ground between his legs. Yeah. And so, Did and you help him? No, because somebody was already helping him. Oh, Okay, good. Uh, um, but that was, yeah, that freaked me out a little bit. And then uh, this is totally out there, but, um, uh, I used to know a guy who was from a small town somewhere and he'd lived in the city for a while and his parents came to visit him for the first time. And they decided to uh, take a walk across this big bridge in that we have here in Toronto. And um, this bridge used to be known for, sadly, people jumping off of it.
1: Oh, you can see that bridge in uh, the first uh, Tomb Raider movie.
0: No, not Tomb Raider. Um, Oh, yeah, uh the zombie killing movie with Mila Jovovich.
1: Yeah, yeah, what's that called? The first Raccoon one
0: city. Toronto is Raccoon City. Resident Evil. Yeah, so yeah. they use the yeah. bridge in that movie. Um anyways, so it's Christmas time, his parents are visiting for the first time. They go for this walk one Sunday morning. They're crossing a the bridge to probably go get brunch or something, and his poor parents witness some dude wearing nothing but red speedo jump off the bridge. So, Oh, man. Really, really a, a bummer and not funny, but you know, talking about First experience in the big city, that was theirs. They put
1: up uh, some big fencing to help uh, prevent people from jumping off that bridge.
0: Yeah, you can't jump no. off it anymore. You got to try really hard to jump. You, off it Yeah, now.
1: you really got to mean it. Like you got to climb
0: this wire. Like yeah. it's
1: really tough to, to to get around that shit now. Yeah.
0: Okay, so back to Enid. She's riding a bike. She gets distracted by a puddle, and a walker approaches. Um, it's just one walker as far as I can tell. Suddenly out of nowhere, a car comes screaming up and runs over the walker. It gets up behind the car, the car backs up over it, smashes it into a wall, and lo and behold, it's Carl. Yay. She comes over the window. She says, What are you doing here? And Carl says, I just felt like a drive. Yeah. Why? Not? Nice day for a drive. It's beautiful. Out. Beautiful day. I'm learning to drive. I might as well uh smash a Zombie while I'm at it. So there you Run go. Run into things and try and kill the undead. That's right. Why not? That's what cars Probably are for. Sunday. Go for a Sunday drive. <laughs> there you go. Go back to the hilltop. It's nighttime. We are in the portable with Sasha and Maggie and they're asleep, but suddenly music starts playing. They jump up, look out the window and outside they can see that the gate is open. There are fires burning all over the place and there is a car right in the middle of the courtyard of the hilltop with loud music blaring out of it. And there are all kinds of walkers streaming in through this open gate. And the doors and windows are locked to their portable. Uh, that's right. The doors and windows are locked. They can't get out the door. That's strange. Um, so Sasha climbs out the top. Uh, what do you call that thing in a, in a portable? In that, the, that's see? a hole, Chris. Nah, it's like a hatch. There's a hole in the roof. It's a hatch. It's, a, it's like a sunroof, kind of, or a vent. You see them in the, the roof of buses and stuff like that. Right, escape hatch. An escape hatch. Well, there you go. So she climbs out the top and she jumps down to uh, try to go and turn the sound off or turn the music off from the car. And Maggie climbs up on top of the portable and then Jesus is on uh, on the big building there. He slides down the pillar to go and help, uh, help Sasha. And she gets to the car and she finds out that it's locked up tight. She can't get in to turn this off. So her and Jesus are fighting off walkers. And this is where Maggie out of nowhere goes and gets in that giant tractor and backs it up over the car, crushing it, destroying it, and therefore stopping the music. Yeah. So this car was, uh, this Pacer was covered in, Wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. Was it a Pacer or a Gremlin? I think it was a Gremlin. Oh man. It was the, uh. I it, don't know from cars. Is it a Gremlin? I think it's the, uh, the but Wayne's it World car. was a Pacer. Car. I think it's the Waynes World car, a pacer. Someone clarify this for us if all right, you can I'm gonna look that up. Pacer versus Gremlin. <laughs> I don't know if we need to do that right now. I think it's a gremlin. <laughs> What's the deal gremlin. with the car though? What's the deal with the car?
1: Oh, uh, the, the car is covered in uh like all the windows are covered in mesh that's bolted, like a metal mesh, like a Faraday cage that's bolted to the uh, to the frame of the car. Yep. So you can't and all the doors are locked and like welded shut, so you can't get into this car. So obviously somebody brought this car in, turned on all the music and is preventing, uh, trying to prevent people from getting into the car to turn it off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a planted car. This is not a mistake or something crazy like that. Um, now Maggie backs this giant trail, uh, tractor over it. She also runs over a bunch of walkers, which was kind of cool. I thought to see them squish in between the double tires was awesome. It's a gremlin. Sorry. Okay. Well, see, you're right. I don't know from cars either, but somehow I I know less from cars, apparently. So good work, Chris. I guess. Thanks, man. And thank you, Internet, for clarifying. There you go. Um, Now, while all this is happening, there's a shot of Gregory looking out his window, and all we see him do is back away from the window into the darkness of the house. So he's cowering inside his house, just hoping someone else is going to deal with this.
1: I don't know. Maybe he was just thinking this is under control. Come on. Go back to bed.
0: No. I've done the
1: same thing with my son. You know, I wake up and he's crying and he's got, uh, you know, a diaper full of crap and uh, he's probably really, really hungry. And my wife is carrying him into the other room and I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's like the apocalypse for him, right? He's hungry. He's woke up in the middle of the night and his diaper's full of crap. Uh, You know, it's like, okay, everything's under control. It's not that I'm cowering or afraid to try and
0: care for my son. It's just, it's already under control. I'm not sure the analogy works because I'm pretty sure he looks out that window and is and is is thinking to himself, "I'm not getting involved in this. This is not for me. I am gonna stay right here in the safety of this house."
1: Well, maybe he's comfy in his bed. He's just like, you know what? That you know, I miss my I miss my duvet. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's a bit crazy. I think he's a dick, and I don't think he wants to help.
1: All right. Well, you're you're painting him with the, the the big dick brush.
0: I sure am. I sure am. He's an easy guy to paint with that dick brush, I'll tell you. Yeah. All right. So next scene is Enid and Carl walking down the road. Carl says- Daytime.
1: Okay. It's important to, to note here that it's daytime again. It is daytime. So that means that Carl and Enid somewhere spent the night together.
0: Well, wait a minute. They left Alexandria. It was daytime. Yes. Uh... So daytime, I assume the time in this
1: whole episode marches on in an even
0: keel for all the characters. Like, we're not jumping around in time here, right? No, all I could say is maybe Enid and Carl leave Alexandria the morning after the musical car attack.
1: I don't think so. Because we, you know, we had daytime with Carl and Enid, and then we had nighttime with the zombie and the gremlin with the music. Mm -hmm. And then we have daytime with Carl and Enid again. I'm just assuming that Time is a, con- is a consistent thing in this show. So somewhere, Carl and Enid spent the night. Whether they slept in the car, they slept under a bush somewhere, they broke into somebody's house and slept on a mattress. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's daytime again. Okay. We didn't get anything
0: about what happened that night with them. Fair enough. They spent the night together in the wilderness somewhere. Somewhere. Eating right. squirrels, having a fire, telling scary stories. Sounds like the kind of, sounds like the kind of things kids would do. Yeah, eating pudding. Eating pudding, yeah. Big cans of pudding.
1: You know, Carl's found another stash of big cans of pudding.
0: Yeah, I guess so. He loves Enid's pudding. Well. uh, (laughs) I'm not touching it. We're just going to move on. Let's move on. So they're walking, it's daytime. And Carl says he watched Abe and Glenn being killed because he wanted to remember it so that when he gets the chance to kill Negan, he wouldn't have a choice, right? He, he, he burned that image into his brain so that he, he would truly hate Negan and therefore be able to kill him without thinking twice about it. Cool. And Enid says she'd kill him too, though. And she says this is because you do things for the ones you love. And Carl says it's not for them. Does he mean that, that it's for him? Like he just wants to feel better, so he needs his own revenge? Or is that too simplistic? I don't know. I'm not really sure exactly, what, or, uh, or or does he, does he mean done? it's for the it's for the survivors? Like it's for us remaining. And this kind of parallels what Jesus was saying, right? We we remember the people who are dead through us who have survived. And I think maybe that's what Carl is saying. You know, we don't need to get revenge for them. They're dead. The revenge is for us to feel better. Yeah. The killing the ne- killing the Negan. Killing Negan is better. Because we will feel better about it and maybe be safer too, if Negan's not around. <laughs> not you know around. what they say, when you're out for revenge, first dig two graves. Yeah. And they've done that already, right? Father Gabe. Well, no, one Gabe for yourself
1: and one for the person you're getting revenge on.
0: I know. I know. But I'm just saying there were two graves when Father Gabe took Negan in the episode last week. So. Oh, that's uh, right. And we now have an answer to,
1: uh, is Maggie hiding in the grave? Answer's is No. She's not hiding in the grave. She's at the hilltop. I don't know if that was clear. I just wanted to make that absolutely clear to everybody <laughs> that she's not in the
0: grave. She's actually at the hilltop the whole time. I'm glad you're paying attention because that is absolutely true. Right. Um, so. Who's taking care of Judith?
1: Well, just gonna that, throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. Carl's... Carl was supposed to take care of Judith and, uh, uh, Michonne packed a bag and left. So, uh, did they just leave her? Jesus. I hope somebody's
0: taking care of Judith.
1: Yeah. You don't just put her in the crib and like leave a couple of bottles lying around and an extra couple of diapers and say, good luck. I'll see you in a couple of days. That's not going to work. No. So uh, anyway.
0: Yeah. Bad Carl. Bad, bad Carl. Well, uh, you know, maybe, um, maybe, uh, what's her name? Father Who? Gabriel? Yeah. Father Gabe. He's looked after Judith before, so yeah. could be his job. Or, um, the armory lady. Uh, why can't I remember her name? Anyways, maybe she's there helping out too. Yeah. Um, we go over to the hilltop and Jesus insists that Maggie and Sasha are staying, but Gregory basically says he's in charge, so it's his decision. And, uh, he tells them to leave again. Of course, because that's what he wants. Sasha offers to leave if Maggie can say, but Gregory's like, no deal, you both got to get out of here. And now he does something really creepy here he kind of implies that he'd want to talk about this with Sasha one on one. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Is he is he saying what I think he's saying? I think it's
1: meant for us to assume that that he's saying what he we think he's saying. Does that make sense? That I, doesn't make sense. I
0: think it does. Yeah. Or or it's it's you're leaving it up to the viewer to inject whatever they want into that. But I think it's pretty. Oh, I clear. thought he was being a dick.
1: It's like it's like saying you know uh, uh, you know getting pulled over for a speeding ticket and you you know open up your wallet and say is there any way we can take care of this right here uh, you know just you know take care of the ticket right the, whatever the the fee is can I take care of that right here right now you know it's not it it gives you some deniability
0: but everybody knows you're trying to bribe the cop fine sure that's great I mean bribing well not something you should do in polite, polite society, <laughs> generally, yeah. um, unless it's with your children, you're trying to get them to eat their vegetables. And you say, if you eat your vegetables, you can have the Mars bar from your Halloween candy. That's fine. I'm okay yeah, with That's fine. I'm okay that's, with that. Uh, that's a negotiation.
1: That's a back and forth. That's uh, you know, uh, you know, eat your food or I'm going to take the, doors off your bedroom so that you can't uh, have any privacy. For an older kid, this might be an option for you when your kids are teenagers. You could uh, threaten to take the doors off. That's more of an extortion thing. Right. Uh, Whereas, you know, I wouldn't consider what you're talking about bribery. Uh, I would consider that a negotiation.
0: Okay. So it's, it's a
1: tit for tat. It's like you eat the food and you get the dessert. You know, bribery would be like... I'll tell you what, if you just go to bed right now, I'll give you 10 bucks.
0: <laughs> that wouldn't work with my kids. They just don't know the value of money. <laughs> no, when
1: they get a little older, I have... maybe you can say, you can go to bed right now, and I give you 10 bucks, or you can go
0: to bed later, and I'll take the doors off your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a negotiation too. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> Pick one. Well, anyways, so- Gregory is just continues being an ass here, and he he wants to meet one-on-one with Sasha. But before they can really finish this conversation, they hear the saviors drive up outside. All the vehicles start arriving in the trucks, and Gregory tells Maggie and Sasha to go hide in the closet, <clears throat> and so uh, Jesus takes them to hide them in the closet, and then Simon— Good old Simon, played by Stephen Ogg, who is Negan's, one of Negan's right-hand men, comes in along with a whole lot of other guys that are well-armed. And it hit me full in the face when I saw Simon. I'm like, holy shit, he's in Westworld. Have you been watching Westworld? I've seen ep- just three episodes of Westworld. Yeah, you're right. He, I have seen him in Westworld. Yeah, it's a, it's a small part. Uh, he, I forget his name.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, but... Rebus, that's his name. He plays a cowboy. Uh... Anyway, it just hit me full in the face. It was just like, oh yeah, he's in Westworld. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, and of course he's, uh, what's his name from Grand Theft Auto 5, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, he's cool. I like this actor more and more, actually, every me too. time too, and I in see Westworld,
1: him. did you see he, they had him, uh, oh, you haven't seen. I, I'm not going to spoil anything.
0: Yeah, please don't. I have only seen three episodes of Westworld so far. I am behind what?
1: Get on it, my friend. Oh, I didn't, oh my god, it's get, it gets so
0: much better. I didn't really like episode three, and so I'm having trouble going back to it. Shut but up. I, just I will watch it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so all these guys come into uh, the house, the big house in the hilltop, and they're all very well armed. Before we find out what happens, though, we go back to Enid and Carl. He's walking way behind her on the street now, and he sees a backpack on the side of the road, so he goes to search it. And he finds roller skates, yay! which is fun. So we cut to them skating down the road. He, of course, is not very good. Typical, you know, the guy is a bumbling idiot on the roller skates. So they end up having to hold hands as they skate along.
1: Yay. There's a roller rink opening around the, ho- around the corner from my house. Are you going to go? I'm totally going to go. I'm so excited. You're actually going to go roller skate? I'm actually going, I would rather go roller skating than ice skating. Roller skating is awesome. Ice skating sucks.
0: <laughs> well, A, you're wrong, but uh, but not about roller skating not being awesome, because I do think it's awesome, but ice skating is one of the most awesome things in the world. However, I'd, I'd go roller skating. That'd be awesome. I've done that before, but it's been years.
1: Uh, the only, the only birthday party I ever had in my whole life, we went roller skating. You only had was,
0: one birthday party in your whole life. What, you had such a sad childhood.
1: It was, you know, birthdays were always a private affair with my in my family. But uh, one year they threw me a party. It was great. I invited my friends. It was 1985, right, right around when roller skating was really, really popular and break dancing, and, uh, man. Oh yeah, I learned I was break dancing around that time
0: as well. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, wasn't.
1: Uh, yeah, we went roller skating. It was awesome. I look forward to going roller skating a second time.
0: Okay. Well. Have a birthday party this year, Jason, and invite us all roller skating for your birthday party. Sure. I'm going to talk to your wife about this. This is a good idea. Okay. (laughs) Good. (laughs) This is going to happen, everybody. (laughs) And there's going to be pictures. (laughs) Yes. And hopefully nobody gets hurt. So, um, back at the hilltop. So there's all these guys in there. They come in. Simon says, they, Simon says, Simon says they need to talk. So him and Gregory go into his study which is that nice room with rich mahogany paneling and a big painting on the wall, which uh, Simon is very interested in, it yeah. seems like. well
1: oh, Stephen Og is so awesome in this episode. He's fantastic. I was going to talk about that later, but right
0: now every
1: word that comes out of his mouth is pure gold. I
0: agree, I agree. I think he was really, really good in this episode. He was fun to watch. He he was behaving like Negan, but different enough that you can tell it's a different character, even though he is a Negan, right? So, Son of a bitch. What if he played Negan? Would you like him better? Um. What if we switched no. it around and we
1: had Stephen Ogg as Negan and we had Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Simon?
0: That is, it's, it's, it's almost unimaginable at this point. I mean, I know we've only known these guys for a few episodes now, but I can't picture them. Uh, I can't picture Jeffrey Dean Morgan as anybody but Negan, but Stephen Ogg so, did a good
1: Stephen job. Stephen Ogg is so charming in this role and he's almost as evil. He doesn't kill anybody. Spoiler. Uh, but
0: he's, everything he says is is pure gold. It's true. He does a really good job, but you have to try to imagine Stephen Ogg delivering the Negan speech in the season finale of season six. I don't- And somewhere out there, there's a reality where these two actors have switched
1: roles and they're playing different, you know, each other's roles. And I want to go to that universe just to watch a couple episodes. Then come back to mine because I, you know, this universe is all right.
0: Yeah, this one's not too bad. I don't know. It's an interesting thought though. I- I, it's hard to imagine it, and I'm not sure it would be better, but it would be entertaining to see. Yeah. Okay, so they go in the study, and they're admiring the large painting. Gregory says he understands that last night was about, you know, them showing them who the who's boss. And uh, Simon congratulates Gregory on cleaning up the mess from last night on their own. Like, he says, we were going to come in and help out. We didn't need to. You guys took care of it, which is great.
1: And you did it from the comfort of your own bed. That's right. You Good never for you,
0: Gregory. You never even stepped out on the porch. So <laughs> nice one. Uh, Simon tells Gregory that some other people, you know, that crossed them are dead. And the essence of this whole conversation, I think, is just Simon being as intimidating as possible to Gregory. And again, just making sure they know who's boss, right? Negan is boss. You are not boss. We are taking half your stuff. And at the end of the conversation, Simon asks, is there anything else I should know? Now, this is that typical, like, movie thing where there's no reason for a character to say, is there anything else you want to tell me while I stroke my evil genius beard? But they do it all the time because it's an easy way to, like, get a plot point revealed, right? Yeah, and it's an intimidation factor too, right? It's a, it's a
1: way of getting somebody to admit to something before they get caught for something.
0: But is, does this happen in real life? Do you sit do you sit around in in meetings at work and as the meeting is wrapping up, do you say to your coworkers or to your client, "Now is there anything else you want to tell me before we finish here for the day?"
1: I th- I feel like that question has been asked of me, and I can't remember the actual context whether it was ah, an interview, you know, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Or it's
0: not even that polite. There was, I, I, I feel like somebody in power has asked me that question before. But see where the interview thing, that's kind of a polite way of doing it. It's like, you know, while we're here, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to convince me to give you this job. So is there anything else you want to tell me? I mean, that's a valid question, but when it's a when it's a power play like it is here and the whole point is because i suspect there's something that i want to know that you're not telling me but i have no reason to suspect that other than the script tells me i should right script is all power right that's what kind of bugs me a little bit about these kind of questions you know i guess you could argue that gregory just looked nervous and gregory was trying so hard to to get along with simon and you know make like he's playing their game, like maybe that was enough to get Simon suspicious, but I don't know. It's, it just felt, I I just don't like this question in general, but, you know, what come to think of it, I have been asked this very question in real life by someone who was in a position of power. Your wife? No. (laughs) No. Now, is there anything, Chris, you want to tell me about that last,
1: uh, business trip you went on that maybe I, we haven't talked about?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, dear. I was in Hawaii and, um, I watched the sunset on the beach one day. Yeah. That's the kind you of brought thing.
1: brought four bathing suits and used them all.
0: <laughs> That's right. Actually, I brought one and I used it. Good. Um, no, I was pulled over once and, uh, long story short, at the moment, Uh, he asked me for my insurance. I could not find my insurance card. I could only find one that was expired. Right. And he said, okay, fair enough. I'm sure you've renewed it. Uh, I'm going to go back to my police car and, you know, do something back there. And he says, before I do that, is there anything else you want to tell me before I look it up and am surprised? I think
1: that rings a bell with me too. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things. One, I was in the car with you once when you got a speeding ticket. Really? So it might've been the same time. No, you definitely weren't there. Okay. Not this time. Yeah. And I did get a ticket one time. (laughs) uh... Sorry. How many speeding tickets? I don't get that many speeding tickets, but it sounds like I do. Well, you're going down Ossington. I was with you. I don't know why,
0: but you went too fast. You got pulled over. You got a speeding ticket. I remember that one too. It was a school zone. So the speed limit dropped and we were driving on a Sunday. So there was no school, but I guess the speed limit still goes down. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, I did get a ticket as well. Maybe that's a standard police question when you get pulled over, you know, before I go back, uh, you know, and run your plates, uh, is there anything else you want to tell me? Yeah. Or, you know, run your name because they probably run your plates before they ever come to your car, come to the window, but they don't know your name at that point until you give them your license. So they're going back to run your license. So you have an opportunity to say, I'm an axe wielding murderer. I'm wanted in 17 states for murdering, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of trees, because that's what you do with an axe, you cut down trees. Yeah. And some states it's, it's a crime to cut down certain trees, so who knows? But, you know, you want to tell the police that, then they go, okay. Uh, then before they come back after that, they can call for backup. Because you probably have a, uh, a tree murdering axe in your car somewhere.
0: Right. So maybe it's a standard police question and that's where it comes from. But in movies and TV shows, it seems like it's a standard sort of intimidation question. Yeah. And, uh, that's exactly what happens here. Okay. So Gregory, um, doesn't really say anything, but he gets up and they go out into the hall and he goes to the hall closet where, as far as we know, Maggie and Sasha are hiding. He opens it. He says, Gregory, before this, he says, actually, there is
1: something I want to tell you.
0: Oh, okay. He says, there is, come with me, kind of thing. All right, so they go out, and he doesn't find Maggie and Sasha in the closet. Instead, he finds a case of really nice scotch.
1: Yeah, scotchy scotch scotch.
0: Down into my belly. So he pulls one out, and he hands it to Simon, who says he really appreciates the gesture because Negan will love it. He says, I'm going to take credit for this. Uh, I'm going to be the hero here. And then Simon ends up taking the entire case instead of just one bottle. Well, yeah, you don't show somebody, you know, I've got a case
1: of scotch. When they're they're here to take half your stuff, you don't go, I've got a case of scotch. Uh, What you do is you say, I've got a bottle of scotch. Right. Here you can have it. Because then you still seem like the good guy and you're giving them a bottle of scotch and they're walking off. Thinking, geez, I got this really nice bottle of scotch that they found. You don't show them the case,
0: and I thought that this was at the at the time. I thought this was the plan that Gregory had. I did too, actually. I thought he was uh, kind of distracting, distracting Simon by saying he knew that Simon was on to him, and he felt that he was being playing guilty.
1: So he had to come up with something as a reason to be guilty. Mm -hmm. And this is a really good tactic when you're being uh, interrogated by the police: admit to something small. That can explain why you are nervous and feeling guilty. Okay, that's a pro tip right
0: there. <laughs> that's a pro tip interrogate pro police interrogation tip. Yeah. That's right.
1: So admit to something small that explains your guilty feeling. And if it's small enough, they'll go, Oh, well, isn't he a sweetheart of a guy that he feels guilty about a case of
0: scotch instead of being a tree murdering axe wielder? Sure, or you know, yes, officer, I did run over that pigeon, but I, 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 you know, I didn't want to swerve onto the sidewalk, um, and and I feel guilty about running over the pigeon. You don't have to mention the old lady you ran over two blocks earlier. Right. Got
1: it. Okay. Yeah, and that explains all the blood on my car because <laughs> there was one hell of a big pigeon. It was a huge
0: pigeon. <laughs> okay. Yes, exactly. So this is—I thought this was Simon's plan. All right. Well, Simon, uh, no, Gregory's plan. Gregory's plan, yes. Yeah. So anyway, Simon takes takes the scotch, says he's going to give it to Negan, and then he says, now we're going to take half of everything you have, and he sends his men out to ransack the place. Um, But before he goes, before Simon leaves, he politely asks Gregory to kneel before him. Gregory does it. Everyone's looking on, and uh, Simon tells him to remember that for next time. Meanwhile, Jesus is standing there just staring daggers at the guy. Like you are so weak, you cowardly little man.
1: When just a few moments ago, when they were going through the closet upstairs, he had this smug look on his face, like, ha, you have to give up your scotch, you son of a bitch.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, Uh, Jesus, he sees Gregory for what this guy's really like, you know, coward, traitor, whatever. Back in the forest, uh, Carl and Enid approach the hilltop. And, uh, they hide on the edge of the trees and they watch Simon's men loading up the trucks. Carl says he doesn't think Negan is here because he doesn't see that black truck. So Negan himself isn't here. And Enid realizes now that Carl just wasn't going uh, to take a drive. And she actually says that. (laughs) Like just now. Yeah. Just now. Like there was any question. He wasn't out there like following her. Oh, you lied to me. You son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But she also realizes that he wasn't coming to get her. His true purpose was to come to kill Negan. Um, Carl asks Nina to help him, but she declines because she thinks Carl's doing it for himself. And she asks him how he'll get away from them, even if he does succeed. But Carl says it doesn't matter. So again, Carl, he's single-minded. He doesn't even care if he gets away. He just wants to kill this guy. um and then they kiss enid finds that hot uh she clearly does yeah she clearly does so they kiss so carl's first kiss that's exciting and i hate to say it jason but i thought carl and enid had a better kiss than anything we've seen between rick and michonne i think
1: so too i think it probably doesn't hurt that they're teenagers what does that have to do with anything well even the actors i mean it's got to be you know they got hormones Teenager hormones going, coursing through. They're probably dating. The actors are probably dating because of this.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I, uh, I didn't ask that of Chandler Riggs when I saw him at Walker Soccer Con, but. Well, you didn't know about this episode. I didn't know about this episode. I'm not sure I would have asked him anyways. I might have asked him what it was like filming that scene. Uh, and if it was uncomfortable for him or if he was totally into it. Right. Maybe he had a giant boner the whole time. I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe, you know, I, I think, uh. The actors probably practice this before and after.
0: Well, they're professionals, right? They are professionals. (laughs) Practice it after. Ah, zing. (laughs) (laughs) I almost skipped right over that. There you go. Yeah. Well, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good kiss. It was fun to see Carl and and Enid, you know, come together like this, because I feel like they've had a thing brewing for a little while. They have. Um, Enid says that, you know, Carl, you shouldn't do this but I can't stop you. So you're going to do it anyway. And then as she walks away, Carl says, they'll see you. And she responds with, no, they won't. Which is very sneaky. I thought that was a little strange. Yeah. Is, is she just sneaky? And it, it brings up something that people have been writing in about for a long time, Jason. And this is a theory that Enid is actually a spy from the saviors. And, they they cite evidence like she was the one who provided the pickles to Maggie, which made her—apparently made her sick, which got them on the road, and therefore they were on the road to meet all those roadblocks and meet up with Negan. It seems a little convoluted to me. Plus, now we know she has a detached placenta.
1: You think that Eden snuck
0: into uh, Maggie's uterus and slightly detached her placenta? so No. That, uh... Yeah. No, but, but like she comes and goes, she climbs the wall. She seems to be able to move around kind of safely out there. So a lot of people think she's a spy or she's a plant somehow in Alexandria. Um, I don't personally believe that, but this kind of thing where she says, no, they won't. It almost, it's almost like her saying I can move amongst them because they know who I am and I'm part of their crew.
1: No, I just think she's very, very sneaky. And the only reason that Carl saw her climb over the fence
0: is because she wanted Carl to see her climb over the fence. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It's, but I I can see why people think that she might be doing something nefarious. (laughs) You know, I don't know, but I, I don't personally believe it, but it's stuff like this that just sort of adds to the mystery of it all. Anyways, we go back into the hilltop and Gregory bursts into his bedroom and he finds that Jesus had hid Maggie and Sasha in that closet instead of the hallway. So smart Jesus. He re-insists that they have to leave again and Jesus threatens to make the deal with Alexandria public. So now he's blackmailing Gregory and saying, you forced them to go, I'm going to tell everyone about the deal you made and then you're equally screwed.
1: Right. So the plan uh, for Jesus was to hide... Uh, Maggie and Sasha in a different closet so that, because he knows he sees Gregory for who he is and he knew Gregory would cave, mm-hmm. but how did he know that Gregory, Gregory would cave in this very specific way, in that I'll show you what I'm hiding, going to the hall closet and opening it up, instead of just
0: saying, I've got these two people that, uh, you know, what if he just told Simon what was going on? Yeah, I think maybe he's, Maybe Gregory has a slight flair for the dramatic, and he's he wants to swing open a door and say "ta-da! Look who I've got!" And right. when that and didn't Jesus work, Jesus knew out, that yeah. and took the uh, took the scotch from the bedroom closet and put
1: it in the hall closet because I assume that that's where Gregory would hide his secret stash of scotch.
0: No, his, his own damn closet. I, I I think that's overcomplicating it. I think the scotch is probably always downstairs, and there but there's also room for people in that closet, and he yeah. just sort of thought, well, he's going to take them to the closest closet, but he didn't. He took them upstairs instead.
1: Well, I don't know if it's complicated. It's a very classic pregnant lady scotch switcheroo, closet
0: <laughs> switcheroo, that, uh, that you see in literature and uh, and media all over the place. So it's, it's pretty standard. Okay, you're right. I've seen that in hundreds of times, if not thousands, so. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, so what's happening? Uh he threatens or he blackmails him and, uh, Gregory says, are you the leader now? And Jesus says, nope. Um, basically tells him you'll be the face of the hilltop, but not really the leader. Sort of, I'll be the smart guy behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. You get to sleep in the, uh, the big room with the, uh, with the big closet that can hold
0: two people, no problem. And you get to kneel before guys like Simon, because I'm not doing that, but. And you don't actually have to do anything. That sounds like a perfect job. I do that job. Except he's responsible. If, if Negan's guys come and find out that they don't have enough stuff, Gregory's going to pay that price. (sighs) That's true. It's tough being the fall guy. Yeah, exactly. He's the fall guy in the face of the organization. So, um, he walks Gregory walks over to Maggie and she just. Punches him. Totally deserved it. <laughs> Felt good. It's because he calls her honey or sweetie or something like that. Oh, yes, that's right. And I forgot to mention throughout the episode, he's getting people's names wrong. I think he calls her Marsha. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. and I she... just
1: assume people's names are Marsha when I talk to them. Of course you do. Yeah, I just, you know, that's a very good point, Marsha. You know, it could be, you know, I I don't know what their name is. I just assume it's Marcia. All right.
0: Well, that's what Gregory does. He doesn't seem to know anybody's name. Um, she punches him, felt really good. She pulls Glenn's watch out of his pocket and he stole it from, from the grave, which is just a huge dick thing to do. Sure is. And she insists that he start using her proper name. And did you hear what she said? What'd she say? She said, Maggie Ree. She used Glenn's last name. Well, they're married. I know, I know. It just, it was, it was nice. I thought it was, it was a nice, it was nice thing to do, right? We take a commercial break. And when we come back, uh, Jesus and, um, uh, and Maggie and Sasha are there. Uh, Jesus says to Maggie that, uh, or all of them that he couldn't imagine anybody else in Gregory's place before, but now he can. Maggie leaves to go back to the trailer. She calls it a trailer. So now we have to call it a trailer. <laughs> it's a trailer. <laughs> yep. And Sasha asks Jesus if he can find out where Negan lives. And being Jesus, he says, of course I can. That's the kind of thing I can do. You're damn right. That's exactly what we, you and me, Chris, wanted Jesus to do. That's right. That's right. He's got to find out where he lives. And Maggie, or uh, Sasha asks him to just keep this plan between them, not even tell Maggie. I thought it was a little, he was a little willing. Like he was, he was, he was obviously really
1: easy to convince to do this. Well, that's because he already wanted to do it, right? He just needed someone he, he, to tell and him? And he's, he's the right guy to do it. It's right up his alley. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's like somebody asking me to, uh, you know, would you do me a huge favor? And later on tonight, would you just, you know, watch TV? <laughs> could, you, could you do that for me? It's like, oh, man. Okay, you're asking a lot, but I'll do it. I think I can I'll handle just,
0: that. I can I can handle that. I'll do that. All right. Well, so I guess he already wanted to do it. Outside. Maggie goes back to the graves and she finds Enid there. So Enid did manage to sneak in. She's very sneaky. She is. And Enid asks if Maggie's okay. And Maggie says, I'm not, but I will be, which is nice to hear. Mm-hmm. That night, Maggie and Enid are having dinner. They talk about- Wait, wait, wait. We got to go back. There's green balloons on, on Glenn's grave. There are green balloons. So those are the balloons that Enid had got to keep in the last episode. Yeah, that's what she wanted. She wanted the green balloons. Like, why the hell does she want green balloons? Well, now we know why she wanted green balloons. Right. Okay. They're important to her. She brings them, she puts them on the grave. Um, So back to the dinner scene, they're talking and uh, they're talking about what happened, I guess, the night before. And Maggie says that she's actually done this to a car before. (laughs) So She's done this before
1: and Enid says, run over somebody?
0: Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. Run over a car with a tractor. She says there was a boy when she's a teenager and she ran over his Camaro. Nice. <laughs> so. With what? With I, a tractor? I, I guess another big tractor. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Awesome. I have never. R- I really, uh, well, oh, go ahead. I've never run over anything with a tractor and she's done it twice. Oh, I drove a tractor once. It was such a lot of fun. Really? I've never driven a tractor.
1: <laughs> oh, it was, it was like a tractor from the sixties. Like it was this tiny little tractor. My friend had, uh, uh his parents had a farm, just this little farm, uh, and they had this little tractor and we just went there for the weekend one time and gassed up the tractor and just drove it around for the whole weekend. It was fucking awesome. Sounds pretty fun, man. Did you, but did you run over any cars? No, we didn't get to run over any cars. It wasn't, the tractor was not nearly big enough to run over a car.
0: I mean, we probably have a hard time running over a bike. (laughs) All right. Well, Maggie's done it twice, man. So she's, Killed two cars with a big tractor. At this and she knows how to drive a
1: tractor too, because they're not easy to drive. No, but she's- you she can't just run, go into one of those uh, John Deere's that she was driving and just like turn the key and put the hammer down and go. Like
0: she knew what she was doing. She's a farm girl, man. She knows what she's doing. Damn right. So Sasha comes in. Uh, Enid says that she came by herself to help. She doesn't say anything about Carl. They talk about- um, marking the graves with the green balloons and uh, Maggie then gives the watch, Glenn's watch, formerly Herschel's watch to Enid and she uses Jesus's line from earlier about not needing anything to remember them by because we have us. That was kind of the theme of this episode I think, you know we remember people because we're still here we want revenge because we're still here, things like that um, and then they join hands and say grace before they eat. So we see the saviors moving out. Sasha is sharpening her knife and smoking Abe's cigar, which is uh, awesome. And as one of the, the saviors' trucks drives away, Jesus runs up behind it and jumps in the back. So he's stowing away to go and find out where the saviors live. But there's somebody else in there too. It's Carl.
1: It's Carl. So they jump in the only truck that doesn't actually have a gate that closes. That's right, because it's just got the uh, the plastic strips like you have for a walk-in cooler that you don't want all the cold air to get out of. Yep. Uh, so it just has the plastic plastic strips that, and then when they tuck the scotch and just a big this box of valuable, valuable, delicious, you know, delightful scotch, they just throw it in the back of the truck. They're all going to be driving on dirt
0: roads. Things are going to be jumping around. That. Everything in that truck is going to fall out the back. It does kind of seem like it, but that's the Negan truck. Simon took, takes the scotch and tells his crony to put this in the Negan truck. So th- this is where all the stuff that is directly for Negan goes, I think. So they don't have to sort it later.
1: Okay. I guess. Well, I assumed everything was for Negan and then Negan would get to choose what Negan actually wants.
0: But this is the Negan truck. I just, I assumed they were all the Negan truck. Well, I I guess so. Negan. You think the other trucks are going someplace else? We need to start I, replacing words with the word Negan, like the Smurfs do. You that's know? Negan awesome. <laughs> no, like, uh, I'm going to go, uh, oh, what are the, yeah, the Smurfs just insert Smurf into everything, right? I'm going to go Smurf my Smurf up. <laughs> that's right I'm gonna go <laughs> that works or uh if they're they don't go cut down a tree they go smurf down a tree you know we're gonna smurf the smurf out of that friggin smurf or thats yes. frig I think we can use the word Negan though like that so we'll try that later and that's it that's the episode so Carl and and uh Jesus are stowed away on their way to Negan's compound I
1: they're going to get found. What's going to happen when they get to the compound? Well. Somebody's going to go around to the back of the truck and start pulling shit out. And eventually they're going to say, hey, there are two dudes here that I don't remember loading in the back of this truck. And we need to shoot you now. Yeah. Right. And I recognize Jesus and I recognize
0: this one-eyed kid from before. Yep. I, uh, You know, how do you, do you guys know each other? That's weird. Well, yeah, not only that, but like, uh, what are you doing in the back of our truck? Like, it doesn't. This whole plan makes no sense to me. You know, if you're going to, if, especially for Jesus, like Negan, I mean, uh, Carl is a dumb kid. Like if he wants to go there, he's going to jump in the back of the truck and Carl kind of knows that Negan doesn't really want to kill him. He's threatened to a couple of times, even when Carl took a shot at the, one of his guys, Negan didn't kill him. I think Carl can kind of get by by saying, By thinking, I'll get in this truck, I'll drive there. Even if they find me, they're not going to kill me. Maybe they'll imprison me, whatever, but at least I'll be close and I might have a chance to kill them. Jesus should be smarter than this. If he wants to find out where they're going, he needs to, like, follow them from a distance. Why couldn't he do that?
1: Well, there was a lot of shots from above. Right? Like we saw when they were loading the uh, the scotch onto the truck, the first shot was from above the guy picking up the box of scotch and moving it over. Right. And all the trucks, when they were leaving, was a shot from above. I thought for sure
0: Jesus would be on the roof of one of those trucks. Just lying I down. Think
1: that, just lying down. I think that would have
0: been awesome. Yeah, but that's the same problem. Like he, Then he arrives on the roof of a truck. What's he going to do when he gets there? Uh, nothing. Wait for them to turn the lights off at night, and then they gets, he gets off the roof of the truck. Nobody's going to look on the roof of the truck. I suppose that makes a little bit more sense. Maybe the plan is to like jump out the back as they get near and then they can hide nearby or something and sneak in. I don't know. How do they know what's near? Yeah, I, it doesn't They're make sense. They're in the back sense.
1: of a truck. All they see is what's behind them. They're going to be like, oh shit, we just passed through a gate. Yeah. Now what?
0: Yeah. Nothing. Hide underneath the grapes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> get under those grapes quick. And And you're right. And what if another truck ends up driving behind them? They don't have any chance to jump out then.
1: Yeah, okay, so that's another point, is the truck without a gate, you put that in front in case something falls off, because then somebody's going to see it and go, holy shit, something fell, fell off that truck. We should not bring that truck
0: anymore because it doesn't have a friggin' gate. Yeah, no, nothing about this makes sense at all. It's, It just feels, I don't, I don't even like it because Jesus shouldn't be acting so stupid. Jesus needs to have a better plan to follow them there.
1: A dumber plan would have been crawling under the truck and strapping yourself using belts to the sh- the
0: shaft, the axle, one of the axles or the yeah. drive shaft. It would have been dumber. So there are dumber plans for sure, but this is pretty close to the bottom. People have done that
1: and died. Like they strapped themselves to the bottom of the truck in order to find the, uh, the clank that goes when you get up to a hundred kilometers an hour and, uh, <laughs> they died. They, he would, that guy won
0: a Darwin award. Well, he well-deserved, I would say. Yeah. That would have been a dumber idea. Fair I enough. I can't think of a good idea. How about, uh. Follow get them. Get on a motorcycle and follow them. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Follow them somehow. And I, I mean, sure, it's hard to do on foot, but you know, you find a you do it. You find the direction they're going, and maybe you can just just head that way, and eventually you'll get there. But I, I don't get know. in really good shape and run. Just chase
1: them. They're they're going to be going down dirt roads. They're not going to be going that fast.
0: Yeah. No. I I feel like I feel like there's other options here that you know they didn't need to jump in the back of this truck. Didn't make much sense. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. So, um, there you have it. I wouldn't say this was one of my favorite episodes, but I didn't totally dislike it. It was nice to see Maggie again after a few without her, uh, find out what's going on. And, uh, it kind of solidifies the idea that she's just going to stay at the hilltop. And let's be honest, it seems pretty clear that if Gregory doesn't survive, and again, he's only the figurehead, I think Maggie is going to step into a leadership role here at the hilltop.
1: Yeah. That way she can be the figurehead that Jesus is puppeteering around and get killed when the uh, savers show up.
0: I don't think that's going to happen. I think she'll be an actual leader, and Jesus will be her actual right hand, like top advisor kind of deal. Right. And, And sitting on the right hand of Maggie and guy who can get things done when. Shit needs to get done. Yeah. So there you go. Did you, what did you think of this episode? I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. I think that's probably because of
1: Simon. Oh, so good. I, I like, I enjoyed that so much that I just kind of dismissed Gregory as being a dick and, uh, the whole Jesus snuck in the back of my truck, uh, issue. Uh, it was only like minor infractions that, uh, that I can think of, but I really enjoyed the Simon thing. So way makes up for it. So I, I like this episode.
0: You're, you're absolutely right. Steven Ogg was amazing. I want to see more of him, um, doing his thing. He needs his own show.
1: Oh like not, yeah. You know, I like him on the walking dead. He's in an, uh, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I liked him in, uh, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I liked him, uh, in Westworld. I thought his character in Westworld was really good. I think he deserves his own show. You know? I think he needs like, uh, I'm not even, some kind of uh, bandit of some, some other, you don't even have to, uh, put it in a, a current genre. Like he could be a motorcycle gang guy. That's fine. You know, read a whole show around that. Or he could be, uh, you know, uh, a knight of some kind or a brigand that <laughs> attacks knights in medieval times. I would watch that. What about playing
0: the British prime minister? Could he do that? Uh, maybe
1: not the current prime minister, but maybe in,
0: uh... No, you come know, on, have... fuck it. He could do it. I think he could do it. <laughs> I think he could do it. Yeah, I think I'm he's got great. myself in trouble there,
1: but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I think he, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, if he played the, the prime minister, I have no idea who the prime minister was a hundred years ago. Let's get an alternate timeline
0: where he plays the prime minister. I think that'd be a-okay. I think he could do it. I, I, he's, I think Stephen Ogg is right on the verge of hitting it big. Like, he's been around a little while, but I couldn't have told you who he was before The Walking Dead. And if he was just on Westworld, you know, in that small role, I'd be like, oh, it's that guy, but I wouldn't have thought twice about it. But here he is doing good work on this show, good work on Westworld, great work in uh, Grand Theft Auto, and... um Uh, other stuff. I'm, I'm sure he's in other stuff too, you know, but I I just feel. (laughs) Yeah, that other stuff he's in is probably really good too. I bet you it is. But I just, I feel like he's just crossing that line into becoming a bit more of a known guy, known actor. So good for him.
1: Yeah. I think that the same thought occurred to me for, uh, I don't even know his name anymore. He was, uh, he plays Agent Carter in the, uh, the Marvel universe. He's, uh... No,
0: isn't Agent Carter a woman in the Marvel Universe? Oh,
1: not Agent Carter. Then the other guy, the other guy.
0: Yeah, you're thinking of the other guy who he, he, he got big from that role in the Marvel Universe.
1: Yes, he Um, did. But I,
0: I remember seeing him on, uh, the New Adventures of Old Christine. He was, uh, he was the
1: ex-wife of, uh, the main character there, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Right. Uh, and he, I thought he did a, was doing a really good job. And I was thinking, you know what? He needs better roles. And then he was playing those little bit parts at the end of the different Marvel movies. And then he had that bigger part in the Marvel movie. And then, uh, and then they you, killed him off, which was horrifying. I was like, no.
0: But then they brought him back. And I think he deserves bigger roles. I think he's a great actor. You're thinking about Clark Gregg, who played Agent Coulson. Colson, that's it. Yeah. So uh, he, he's great. He's amazing. I like him too, but you're right. He got this role, kind of hit the big time and almost became a household name. Almost. Yeah. Uh, Not quite enough for us to remember his name without looking it up, but we both knew who you were talking about. Stephen Ogg? Stephen Ogg, I had to look up his name. I didn't know
1: his name until today, or you mentioned it before, but I didn't retain that knowledge. But you will now. I looked him up on IMDb. I'm like, isn't that the guy from Westworld that I just saw like yesterday? Yep. And I looked it up and I'm like, yep, sure is. I love that guy. He's now my favorite person. <laughs> well, you'll remember him now,
0: I'm sure. And he's it's like, uh, would you he's know that. Lou Temple's name if uh, you didn't meet him in person and think he's the most awesome person ever? Oh, no, probably not. Probably but he not. He is. He really is. <laughs> hey, Stephen Ogg, born in Calgary, Alberta. Nice. A Canadian guy. See, he can play a cowboy. No problem. Oh, no problem at all. Yeah. If he's not playing a cowboy in his next role, I'm going to be disappointed now. I want to see him play a cowboy biker. That's what I want. (laughs) Perfect, man. Okay, so let's move on. Jason, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to read some holy crap moments. Uh, So uh, look forward to that and stay with us. Well, I know it gets harder every single day. And I know my darkness will never go away. But it's hard when you're living and you don't feel much, and you're down and you're hoping that things are gonna change. Oh, we all know the roads that we're heading down. But we all know if we're lost, then we'll find a way. Well, Jason, it's that time of the show when we are going to take a uh, quick minute to thank some of our new patrons who went to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the talking dead and pledged a small amount of their hard earned cash to help us with all the costs of putting on this show. Super. Yeah, it's very, very super. So our first one here is Lisa Kay from Queensland, Australia who pledged at the $10 level, which is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Lisa. Lisa wants to send a quick shout out to her mom, Lorraine, who is 71 years young and is crazy in love with Negan. Nice. Just like you, Jason. Just like my mom. Just like your mom. I feel like they'd get along great.
1: They probably would, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. She, uh, you know, she's a little on the fence now because she doesn't like the Negan character because he's so damn evil. But uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, she's uh, he's on her on her list, that's for sure.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much to Lisa Kay and your mom, Lorraine, for uh, supporting the show. Also at that level is Eve S. from Cary, North Carolina. Eve wants to send a shout out to her dad, Spencer, who she says is one of the good Spencers, not like the useless one on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice yeah i'm glad i'm glad you don't think your dad is a useless spencer
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but uh thank you so much and uh thank you spencer uh, thank you eve for supporting us and then uh, one more t- right uh, today at the $5 level is Alex in Seattle. Thank you so much, Alex, for supporting us as well. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, visit patreon.com thetalkingdead and check out the different levels of support. And uh, every dollar collected just goes to, it, you know, helping us with the cost of putting on this podcast. And and all the costs associated with it so it is a great easy way to support us that's patreon.com slash the talking dead we thank everyone so much for your support Holy crap. Did you see that? I don't know, Jason. Holy crap. Did you see that? We are going to find out. And the first one here is a call from John in Brooklyn. Holy
1: crap. Did you see that Maggie looking slim and trim when she walked out of the doctor's office? Television is the only place where pregnant women look like models on their way to a model
0: call. All right, thank you, John of Brooklyn. I'd like to say that I know at least a couple of pregnant ladies that I thought looked fantastic when they were pregnant. Well, I would I would agree, but they don't look super skinny. No, necessarily, but you know, then I've seen some skinny pregnant ladies. Yeah, but but here's the thing. This the question that John raises here is just how far along in this pregnancy pregnancy is, Maggie, and um because there isn't really a great indicator of that on the show. I feel like we've known she's been pregnant for a long time, but not a lot of time has passed. Therefore, she's not showing at all. So I put her around 10 weeks. So you've more recently had a pregnant lady in your house than I have. And yep. you might remember, and, and if you don't want to share, that's fine. But at what point did would you say that Jenny started showing to the point that it was obvious that she was pregnant?
1: I haven't the faintest idea.
0: (laughs) She's your wife. It was like less than a year ago.
1: Well, yeah, but you know, I didn't retain the information. I'm like, oh, week six, I can see something maybe. You know, it was, uh, I still remember the, uh, the moment, the first time I felt the baby kick. Sure. You don't forget that. I don't forget that. But, uh, no, I don't remember when she started
0: showing. I mean, it was probably around the three month mark. Yeah, it's say. it's months in, especially on the first one. First baby, you don't show quite as early often, usually. I don't know. I There are no hard and fast rules, I don't think. But uh, anyways, so if Maggie is like, say, what, 10 weeks in, you think? Not even at the yeah. three-month point yet?
1: Well, there's a heartbeat. So, you know, it's uh, a number of weeks. It's six weeks plus or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or four weeks, but I have no idea when the heartbeat starts, but it's not, you know, right away. <laughs> right. So we're a number of weeks in, but she's not showing. So, you know, I'm sticking her at about 10 weeks.
0: All right. Fair. That's, that, that works for me. I don't know. Um, what I think is probably going to happen here on the show is Maggie will be like, n- like not showing, not showing, not showing, not showing. Then all of a sudden, like full on pregnant.
1: Babe. Yeah. Not showing, not showing, not showing off the show and then showing. Well, she's not pregnant in real life that I know of. Oh yeah, well that's so too, I guess. she's not. Well, that's what happens in real
0: life: is that they don't show, they don't show, they don't show, and then they disappear for a few weeks, and then show up again with a baby later. Yeah. So what I think is going to happen is there'll just be an episode at some point, and suddenly Maggie is big, pregnant, has a nice big pregnant belly. So uh, that could be soon. It could be season eight. I don't know. We'll see. James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, "Holy crap! Nothing happened." I am struggling to decide if the episode was based solely on establishing Gregory as a snake or building a Carl-Enid relationship. This was one of the weakest episodes in some time.
1: Well, I mean, we did get, uh, I think we established four things in this episode. The Carl-Enid relationship, the uh, Simon-Negan stand-in for this particular region. Maybe, maybe he has regional managers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maggie's pregnant and out of the loop. Uh, and the fourth thing is Gregory's
0: an ass. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not like nothing happened here. I mean, I know it was sort of all mostly at the hilltop and it was a lot of talking and it was a lot of reiterating the same sorts of things with, uh, Gregory being a a dick. Um, but you're right. I mean, it did give us another look into the way Negan deals with, with his, um, suppliers, I guess, which again, I mean, to be fair, we'd have kind of seen a few times already, but Stephen Ogg was just so good that it was entertaining and it was great to watch. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It wasn't, like I said before, it wasn't my favorite episode in a while, but certainly, uh, didn't mind it too much.
1: We had a tractor running over a gremlin you know, That's what true. more do you
0: want? That's true. That is true. Although, don't you feel like that scene was inserted, the whole zombie part was inserted a little bit just so they'd have some zombies in this episode? Otherwise. Uh, just a little bit. Otherwise, just... we had the one out on the road with Enid and Carl, but eh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'll move on. Um, Dan in York, UK writes, holy crap, did you see how much this episode is hated? I don't get it. I'm not going to make a case for it as the best episode we've had, but after it was over, my immediate thought was that it was the show getting back on track after a couple of weaker episodes. I then went online to see what others thought, only to see it near universally panned. So I didn't really get that feeling too much, but then I didn't go and, uh, read the walking dead subreddit after watching this one, which can be an okay idea, but is sometimes not a very good idea. Um, (laughs) but you know, I, if we take Dan's word for it, no one really liked this episode very much. So I did. There you go. I'll stand up for it. I liked it. Good for you. You liked it. Uh, Ralph in Brooklyn writes, Holy crap. Maggie doesn't have any pictures of Glenn and now gave Enid the only object she could have given her child as a memory of its father. Herschel's, Herschel's watch, of course. How about life?
1: <laughs> hey, how
0: about, you know, giving him life or her life? There is that. That's true. George in Byron Bay, Australia. Holy crap, did you see how brilliant Stephen Ogg was this episode? His character of Simon is so entertaining and interesting. I think I'm more excited to see Simon than I am Negan. Well, damn right. You are on I board. Agree. Yeah, there you go.
1: I want. I want him to have his own show. I want Simon, I want this to be the Simon show. Let's just replace Rick. With Simon and have Let's, you know, the adventures of Simon and the gang. <laughs> that sounds like a show right there. That's the spinoff. You can even use that name if you want. Perfect. Walking Dead people. There you Walking go. Dead, the adventures of Simon and the gang.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the gang. You need the gang, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. A uh, friend of the show, Adam in Texas, writes Holy crap. Glenn and Abe are buried at the hilltop. So what is buried in Alexandria? I'm guessing lots of guns and a faked inventory. So those, those graves at Alexandria, now that we know Maggie's not hiding in one, is it safe to assume, Jason, that they're just empty or is there something else there?
1: I don't know. Father Gabriel is a slippery guy. I think he's, uh, he's got a lot of layers to him now. So maybe instead of just, uh, burying nothing and saying that it's
0: Maggie, maybe he buried a stack of guns
1: and said it's Maggie.
0: Maybe. I mean... It's got me thinking about it now. It's, I'm sort of curious Uh, if there might be something else in there than just dirt. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, next up is Sean on the internet writes, Holy crap, Rick went in for the friend zone kiss, and Michonne said, Fuck that shit, and wanted a real kiss. I don't, I still don't see any heat between those two actors, but they seem to be trying. They're brother and sister. I think I it's going to be revealed that,
1: uh, the reason that they're so awkward together as a couple is that they end up, uh, turning out to be long
0: lost brother and sister. It's, they've got to explain it somehow because they are not getting it done in the romance department, I'm afraid. Uh, Chris in Newcastle, England writes, holy crap, did you see that? A bicycle in the zombie apocalypse. They do exist. Yes, they do. I think so. I think so. Uh, D- From Sri Lanka, I apologize if that is wrong. Holy crap, did you see that? Carl found roller skates. Maybe this will be the interesting product they give to Negan. After all, a crazy maniac wielding a baseball bat is scary, but a crazy maniac wielding a baseball bat on roller skates is truly terrifying. You put anything on roller skates, it makes them better. (laughs) And more terrifying. Yeah. So You know, you
1: have a monkey running around with a stick, that's kind of funny, but you put a monkey running around with a stick on
0: roller skates, that's scary. You take a 45-year-old man at his birthday party on, and that's hilarious, you put a that's 45-year-old right. man at his birthday party on roller skates, yes. it becomes an event to remember. As long as the Bee Gees are playing, because <laughs> ah,
1: I want to get my Saturday night fever on. Oh, I, can we, we so have to do this. I hope this really <laughs> happens. I got to put in a request All right. from, for the, from the DJ. I assume there's a DJ because, you know, what's the point if there's no DJ?
0: You need the. you have to have the music. You can't just roller skate to nothing. All right. Exactly. Bat- Which is why I don't like ice skating because they don't have music when you're ice skating, do they? Sometimes they do. Pleasure skating. They put music on, not everywhere, but sometimes. But they don't play disco. Well, are you going to do disco skating on ice skates? No. No, but you would do that on roller skates, right? Well, I probably wouldn't because I'd be worried about hurting myself.
1: Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going to go, I'm going to go roller skating on my birthday and you're not going to go roller skating? No, I I
0: am, but I'm not going to do like disco moves. I'm just oh, going to no, skate around. I wouldn't say around. disco moves, just skate to disco. Okay, fine. It just, it makes it better. No, Fair enough, fair enough. Look, I can guarantee I will be ice skating this winter. I'm not so sure about the roller skating. <laughs> <Unless it's sighs> I'll for, see what I can do. Unless it's for your birthday. Yeah. Okay, Beth from Scotland writes, holy crap, did you see Carl and Enid on roller skates? Roller skates in the zombie apocalypse. I could not deal. My head was going in overdrive with a million different horrendous scenarios where they meet a horde of walkers whilst on roller skates, just asking to fall over and not be able to get back up. Just walk that wee bit quicker. The roller skates are not worth the cutesy teenage love moment. Please, for my sanity.
1: Yeah, falling down in the zombie apocalypse, not being able to get back up again because you're on roller
0: skates is an issue. It really is, but do you think the, I mean, do you think the speed gain from the skates is worth anything? Cause you will go faster.
1: I don't know. I'm starting to think about roller derby and you know, those people on roller derbying around are more dangerous than people just walking fast, elbowing, throwing an elbow. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Roller <laughs> so, derby is violent, man. Yeah. So and I'm thinking fun. roller skates, not such a bad idea. As long as you can stay up, like falling
0: down that's no good, but as long as you can stay up, then, uh, you're doing all right. Yeah. Wear a helmet. Yeah, that's true. Roller blades, I would definitely wear. I used to, being a skater, I used to have some roller blades and, uh, you know, they're pretty, if you know what you're doing, you're not going to fall down as easy on those. I find roller skates with four wheels beside each other. Those, uh, you know, make, those are harder to operate for me, at least the last time I tried. So, Roller blades, I'd be on board with for sure. Roller skates, I'm not so sure.
1: What's wrong with roller skates? They have the trucks. You can, you know, go off to the side, and the, you know, you, you don't lift one set of wheels off and
0: you know balance on the side mm, of the
1: wheels. I, they, they like a, it's like a skateboard.
0: I know. My memory is just they're harder to to use than than inline skates. Like I can't believe they didn't invent inline skates first because it seems so much more logical.
1: Nah, that's crazy.
0: All right. I don't know. Sally. You, you want to put something on wheels? You put something on four wheels. And then you go to two wheels. And then you put wheels in a big long line. No. Like it's a pair case. Four wheels, yes, but in a row, inline wheels. It makes so much more sense.
1: Ah, that's not stable. You fall over.
0: Clearly you don't. <laughs> so. <laughs> I have roller scale, roller blades. I used to roller blade all the time. Sold mine at a garage sale last summer. Did you? I still have mine. Yeah, you should have put them in your garage sale.
1: I probably did. Nobody bought them because nobody likes them anymore.
0: Yeah, you don't see them that much anymore. Anyways, Sally on the internet. Holy crap. The walkers are just not an issue anymore. More of an annoyance than anything else. Jesus, Maggie, Carl, and Sasha took them all out. No problem. Carl? Oh yeah, with the car, I guess. Yeah. With the car. He had to run over it twice. He did. He had to try. He had to run over it and actually smash it into a wall. Yeah. Back it into I a wall. I don't think it was no problem. Uh, no, but they do seem to have not, they weren't really much of a threat in this episode, even when like it was night and the music was blaring and the town was on fire. But right. anyways, Steve on the internet, holy crap, I love seeing Maggie and Sasha forming a new bond. They've both lost someone close and have found each other isn't that sweet that is sweet (laughs) um all right uh oh who's this from shoot i didn't write down the name i'm sorry person mystery person but i like the comment holy crap every time they say jesus's name in a panic i laugh jesus get down here (laughs) jesus what's wrong with you i keep hoping someone at some point will say christ what's wrong with you and he says actually that's not my name <laughs> it's more of a title and not a name <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh sorry mystery person who sent that in uh, victor in well, let's see brazil goiania brazil i'm sure i'm getting that wrong victor writes holy crap is it just me or does gregory remind you of another tv character with the same name dr gregory house what a jerk
1: I liked Gregory House much more than I like this guy.
0: I never watched House, so I I don't get the connection, but uh watched the whole series run twice. That's your problem. You have to, well, you used to have too much time to watch TV.
1: Well, it's it's one of those things you can put on in the background because mm-hmm. I like TV shows that uh for background viewing, uh, they have to have three criteria. One, I have to be not that interested in them. Two, they have to be primarily talkies where they don't actually do anything and they definitely Item number three, cannot have car chases. Because if they have car chases, then I'm out. So I need, you know, put something on in the background that I don't really have to pay attention to. That's
0: mostly just people yakking about whatever. That's great. So House fit the bill. Okay. Well, I never watched House, but uh, Dr. House was a jerk like uh, Hilltop Gregory is a jerk? Yes. Dr. House was an absolute uh, unmitigated jerk. But he got the job done, I bet. That's because,
1: that's, that's, uh, that's true. That's because he was, uh, he was the diagnostician that uh, could diagnose any diagnosis. <laughs>
0: Perfect. That should have been on the poster. <laughs> it probably was. Yeah. All right. And finally here, uh, Roy on the internet, um, holy crap, the smirk on Jesus's face when Gregory had to hand over his private whiskey stash. I'm not sure what crushed Gregory more, losing his stash or that Simon used the word hate to describe his drink of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was an unfortunate thing for Gregory Simon says I'm a gin man myself which it's true I'm okay with but
1: no gin sucks I, actually I, I don't really have a taste for scotch but I definitely don't like gin okay well
0: I think we talked about that last week too we did or sometime recently uh all right and actually there's one more Michael in London holy crap even with one eye Carl's a better darts player than me That's awesome. (laughs) Even though, like we said, I don't think it has anything to do with having one eye. I think Carl just doesn't like that wall very much.
1: Well, he's, you know, there's a technique to it, right? He's probably got this weird kind of throw to the side and try and get it to go across and hit the dartboard at the right angle, but it doesn't. It crosses too much because he's not doing it right. You got to throw directly away from you.
0: You're right. And then at least hit the dartboard. Straight away from your face. Yeah. Well, it's
1: not like they can go and. You know, watch darts on TV to get some kind of idea, or maybe they don't have anybody uh, in Alexandria that uh, regularly plays darts. So he's just trying to figure it out on his own, and he's just throwing like an idiot. Maybe he's, you know, did we actually see him throw? Maybe he was kicking the darts off the floor, and uh, and hitting them <laughs> in, in, in
0: which the wall. in which case his accuracy was extremely good. If he was doing it with his toes, he's doing a great job. He should keep practicing. He should. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for everyone to everyone for writing in. And if you would like to get in contact with us, you can do so by sending your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We should be back later this week, hopefully on Thursday night again, with a feedback show for this episode. So by all means, keep sending in your thoughts and comments about anything you've heard here or anything you want to talk about in uh, that happened on the episode. Or in the episode. I don't know what's more appropriate. On or in, Jason? Under, under the episode. What happened under the episode? Sh- sure, let us know. Um, so that the email address again, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail to record a message into the computer. You can also do that to submit your favorite scene recording entries too. Uh, that That's a good way to do it. Works pretty well for most people. Um, visit us on Twitter at Talking Dead or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Um, for anyone that is still interested in Christina's recovery, she posted something on our Facebook page, just kind of uh, talking a little bit about what she went through. Not in great detail, but uh, if you're not, if you haven't liked us on Twitter or on Facebook, you might not have seen that. So uh, go like us there and check that out if you want to do that. Um, and yeah, uh, If you aren't going to use our Patreon page, that's totally cool. If it's more your thing, you can support us by clicking our Amazon links. That is TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon. Click on the country of your choice. And then when you buy stuff at Amazon, a tiny little cut magically comes back our way and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So it's a really easy and great way to help out. All right. That is enough for tonight. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.